Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of the IT Business Podcast. I am your host, Marvin B., a.k.a. Uncle Marv, and I am joined this Wednesday evening by a new friend of mine, Connor Swam from Finn Security. Connor, how are you? I'm doing perfect. Nice to meet you, Mark. All right. Uh, so here we are, Wednesday evening, the live show, and I think this is going to be pretty good. I hope so. All right. Hope I can be a good guest. <laughs> so for those of you that are just joining us and mm-hmm. friends alike, this is the IT Business Podcast presented by... Our good friends at NetAlly. This is the podcast where we hope to help you run your IT business better, smarter, and faster. So each week I try to bring you product stories and tips all in an effort to do that. And I think we're going to be able to do that again this evening. I want to start with a couple of housekeeping things. And I need to let everybody know that on the show last week, I had my good Florida man, John Dubinsky here. And he reminded me that I needed to go back and look at my emails because I had asked some of you for your help in letting me know how to bill a customer. And this was a customer of mine that wanted me to reserve the entire day just for them, whether they needed me or not. And I was like, hmm, do I bill them for the entire day? And if I go on site, do I double bill, double dip? How do we do that? And Florida Man and actually a few other suggestions that I got in some chat messages all said no discount, especially when I explained who the customer was. So I just wanted to let everybody know I am doing just that. I actually created a retainer uh, one-line bill. So I'm going to bill them the retainer, and that is for the full day. But I did on both occasions because they reserved me for two days. I did show up for a little bit. So from the retainer, I will deduct like 0.1 for an hour, 0.2 for two hours, and then bill them my full rate for the time that I was there. So it's not exactly double dipping, but I'm not going to penalize them for reserving me and then using me. And the reason I say that is because I showed up yesterday, not yesterday, yeah, yesterday, Tuesday, first day of the week after Memorial Day. Thank you to the servicemen. Uh, I showed up at nine o'clock. And handed the gentleman the product that they asked me to bring. And he said, all right, thank you very much. <laughs> and I said, that's it? I was expecting to do more work for the day. And he said, nope, we're good. So I came back to the office. I still kind of held the day open in case they needed me to come back. But build them for that time. And, of course, build them for my my trip in the one-hour minimum just to go see them. So that was an update on that. So, Connor, I'll go ahead and break here instead of going into my second story and ask you, how are things for you? Uh, Things are going great. I actually really enjoyed the three-day weekend. Got some golfing, got to see some family, uh, and then got really sunburned uh, because it was really sunny out. Um, Where did you go golf to get sunburned up in Delaware? Uh, So, actually, I golfed in Maryland uh, this and Pennsylvania. I golfed everywhere but Delaware uh, this past weekend. Wait a minute. Was, Does the course start in Maryland and then go up into Pennsylvania yeah. and come yeah, it's back a really down? really long course. <laughs> no, I, uh, I used to golf here with a lot of buddies in high school. You know, we just 
mess around on the golf course. And then all of them grew up and moved away and got married or have kids or live somewhere else. And so now if I want to go hang out with them, I got to go drive somewhere. I can't just stay in Delaware now. Oh, that's right. So they're the married ones. So you have to sacrifice, right? Yes. Uh, now I'm engaged, so not for not for much longer. Your time uh, is coming a, then. <laughs> yeah, it'll be like a Canadian standoff at that point. We'll, That's we'll right. Be holding the door for each other, trying to make. Yeah. The wives will be standing in the doorway with arms folded. <laughs> Where do you yeah, think you're going? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should be fun. Um, and I say that as my wife is home, probably watching and getting ready to text me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, let's do one more quick rant. And I was trying to debate how I wanted to, to deal with this. I almost made a completely separate show out of it. But those of you that have followed me on the Facebook, I put a post in one of the groups at the beginning of May, Into It Sucks. Yes, I said it. And the reason that I put that in there, I didn't go into details, but they had an issue where for some reason I couldn't download our credit card payments. So we would, you know, send out our invoice, our customer would pay every morning. The wife goes in, downloads payments, nothing. And that was on a Monday. And so by Thursday, when it still wasn't working, I decided it was time to call them and complain and say, can you please fix this? So the third time I got to speak to somebody, I was told, oh, well, your subscription has expired. That's why your stuff isn't working. And I said, are you sure? And he said, yes. So I went through the process of renewing my subscription, which I think is a scam, just for the record. (laughs) So, and for some reason, it takes us like half an hour to renew the subscription. I don't understand, but we get it renewed and he's like, okay, thanks. I said, whoa, 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 hang on. I still need to download payments. Oh, that's a known issue. We don't know what's wrong. And so I said to the guy, did you just lie to me? And he says, well, what do you mean? I said, you told me that renewing my subscription would fix the problem. I renewed my subscription. The problem isn't fixed. So basically you lied to me. Um, um, well, no, we still had to renew your subscription. So that's what kind of got me ticked off about the into it sucks part. So now fast forward to today, because even though I kept following up, I had gotten a case opened and it still was not working. So we were having to manually go in and put in our credit card payments. And we were told that when the problem was fixed, that they would just reconcile and everything would be good. So May 5th is when I called them. Today is June 1st. And I finally get an email that says, thank you for contacting QuickBooks Customer Care. This unexpected behavior where merchant service deposit stuck in, please wait, blah, 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 has just been resolved. In order to make things In order to make sure things are working properly, please update to the latest release by clicking help, blah, blah, blah. Now, Connor, I know that you and I spoke earlier. You said you use QuickBooks. And I don't know if you had this problem, but the fact that you haven't jumped in and said anything (laughs) probably means you didn't. (laughs) 
No, no, no. I use QuickBooks online too. So oh. didn't have to download anything. Okay. I'm, I'm still on the desktop. So you want to know what the issue was? The support. No. They still had Internet Explorer as their default browser when you go to click download payments. Yeah. Regardless of what we set as our default browser, internal to QuickBooks, they still mm. had Internet Explorer. And my only thought would be, how many years have you had knowing that Internet Explorer was going to be a deprecated product? How many years have you had to get ahead of that type of situation and simply check a box to say, use another browser? A lot. <laughs> and I, you- <laughs> I, interestingly enough, have a similar story. Okay. But it's with uh, our own software at Fin. Uh, not not that we're the QuickBooks here. We're we're you in this situation. Okay. Uh, um, but we had we got a support ticket one day from a client of ours saying that you know client says they my client says they can't get into uh, their training that I've prescribed to them and that we're paying for. Like what gives? And we're like, oh no, like we thought we had a big issue. We thought there would have been a service outage and there was maybe something that needed to be addressed. So we went back and looked at the logs on our uh, learning management system and somebody, a lot of people were attempting to access their training using Internet Explorer 11. And we were using software. We we wrote it in software that does not like support that far back. And so we called this MSP up and we're like, hey, you just need to tell your client to use a different browser. They're using Internet Explorer 11 like that. Also, that's super insecure, like hasn't gotten a security update since like, what, 2008 or something? And it's like, it's been a while. Yeah. uh, Can you just tell them, you know, use a different browser? They're like, so there was a bug. And I was like, I don't know that I'd classify (laughs) this as a bug. Uh, This is this is a 14 year old browser that you're trying to use here. Yeah. Uh, So we can no longer find parts for the 1912 Model T. Yeah. But that's not really a bug. <laughs> yeah, it's a feature at this point, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Connor, let's go ahead and dive into the reason you are here. And one of those reasons is one of my friends reached out and said, hey, you mm. got to meet this guy. You got to meet this company. And uh, they're going to be up and coming disruptors or something to that effect. And I said, OK, I can do that. And once we talked, this actually reminded me of an episode that I did a while back where we talked about cybersecurity training Mm. and cybersecurity insurance where clients are now going to get their renewals and they're being told that they've got to now do a lot of these things and they list off products and they list off, you know, all the things that we've been telling them over the years. One of which is the security awareness training and your company kind of deals with that. So let's talk about, first of all, I think that there's for the last year or so, the industry's kind of catching up with Mm -hmm. how to deal with this. Now that, now that customers know they have to do it and they're not just thinking that we're trying to squeeze money out of them. um, We're finding that, and essentially, something's been kind of wrong in the way we've been doing this, right? Yeah, a uh, few things for sure. 
All right. So help us help help me out here because I'm one of those people that yes, I'm doing it, and I do it one way with one customer and one way with another, um, letting them, you know, lead me instead of me leading them. So I got to change that. So a few things that we see uh, happening, which uh, I wouldn't call them bad or anything like that. It's just how it was done in the past, which, okay, that's how it was done, but we can always keep getting better, uh, is there's often a lot of punitive training, training that is used as a punishment, I'll put it that way, Okay. for employees. Uh, and I always tell a story to when I'm trying to communicate this message is when I was in college, I studied math. Uh, and when I went to talk, I was super excited. I even have, uh, when the, the blur goes away there, I have textbooks, like my favorite textbooks, math textbooks from college back there. Uh, that's how much of a nerd I was. And when I would try to talk to anyone, when I was really excited and really passionate about that to anyone else who just didn't share that passion, it's like the light bulb, you know, went off in their brain, their eyes got this glassy look and they're like, uh, you know what? I think my mom just called me. I got to go. And you're like, I'm like, you didn't even take out your phone. Like, uh, so anyway, I bring, I bring that up to say, um, I see the same, I saw the same thing happening in cybersecurity is, uh, us as practitioners, as experts, whatever, whatever words you'd like to use. Uh, we're, we're excited about this. We're excited about protecting people. We're excited about communicating how that's done and beating the bad guys and like fighting the good fight. But that doesn't necessarily translate to a, a person who just wants to show up to their job and do good work. Uh, so that's where it's like, there's this, this disconnect between, oh, people should want to do this. And then people don't want to, at the end of the day, it's not what gets them up in the morning. So the traditional programs and some that I'm using are pretty much just almost like a checklist. Like here's the latest, you know, fishing simulation. Uh, did we get you or not? (laughs) Or here's the latest video. Did you watch it or not? Right. And I know that, you know, as an employee, I would just be like, what's the quickest way I can check this off and move on? Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, I when I when I started Finn, I went to the employees of the MSPs that we were working with and I asked them and I was like, hey, uh, what do you like? What do you not like? What's your experience? Why do you hate this? Why is your, you know, the why, why is the, if, it, if there were a net promoter score of like security awareness training, why is it so low? Um, and I essentially got the same story. That was, I get fished. I have no idea why that happened. No idea why we're getting fished. I have no idea why I'm being uh, tested in this way. I don't know why it's important. And then I get a 10 minute video and I got to go watch that. And the thing is, it's the same 10 minute video that I watched last month. And it's the same 10 minute video I watched the month before that. And it's the same 10 minute video I watched the month before that. And you're like, I see this thing in my sleep at this point. It's like, okay, uh, I, I kind of see what's happening. And then they'll just mute the video, put it on their second monitor, play with their dog, their cat, go say hi to their kids or something while the video plays. And then they'll come back, recite the four or five questions that they know by heart at this point, And then they're on with their day. And the entire experience to them, they feel was a punishment, even though it's like, well, like you demonstrated a need for this additional training. And then didn't take it. Like what gives? Uh, there just was a disconnect in the communication of it. All right. So I'm going to take a step back and then we'll take a step forward. Sure. So a geek for math. Now, are we talking like linear algebra type stuff, calculus three type stuff? Uh, all of the above. Uh, and actually, 
I was reading this this weekend. It's in my backpack. This is my favorite math textbook. If it'll, uh, let's see if I can get the, uh, Oh, there we go. Linear algebra done. Right. Linear algebra. Okay. A guy named Sheldon Axler. It's actually a really great textbook. Isn't that sad um, that I, I asked you that question? Because uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was one of my minors in college. Yeah. For whatever reason, I'd never intended to be. Yeah. But I was good at it and didn't know why. I knew I wasn't going to use it afterwards. <laughs> so. I, uh, other than when I'm trying to do math now, I don't use any of it. Uh, and actually I had very little computer science education as well in the math program, but I ended up teaching myself to write code and started a software development company in college. And even then, like none of the application is directly used. It's all like the way we think it's like identify what, you know, build that up into bigger things that you can then prove because you built it with, I call them like Lego bricks of stuff that, you know, and you just, move forward under that assumption. Okay. Uh, well, that's, same pattern of thinking. that's what I was going to ask you is how did you go from math to tech and specifically to the security awareness? So in college, uh, one of my professors was also a professor of cybersecurity and I started a software development company with him, or rather, I guess he started it with me. I don't know why he would do this. You know, looking back at it, it's like, you know, I was a 19 year old kid. I didn't know what to, I didn't know anything. Uh, and, uh, we were basically code monkeys for hire. Any, any work that walked in the door, I need an app that does this. I want an iPhone application that lets me, I don't know, play this game. It's like, okay, sure. Yeah, we can do that. We did everything from, um, embedded systems in dental tools to applications, to websites. Like I, we, we taught, well, I taught myself the gamut with a lot of his oversight, um, that was like the first variation. And that turned into when I graduated, we had a lot of really cool, what we thought were really cool ideas for cybersecurity products. Uh, and so we started building them and nobody wanted to buy them. <laughs> so <laughs> we spent all this time building what we thought was really cool stuff. And we'd be like, yeah, isn't this great? And we'd like walk into a business here locally in Delaware because everybody knows everybody. And they're like, I don't care about this. Uh, go away. And I was like, oh, Okay. That happened for like six months. Uh, and then after like six months of that, uh, I was like, maybe we should just ask them what they want. It's like, what, what sucks? What don't you like? And uh, over the next couple of months of doing that, everyone complained about my users keep like getting fished. This causes problems in these ways. We don't have a lot of protection. We don't feel like we have a good solution. We don't feel like we have a good educational program. And like, I would ask questions to them. It's like, what are you talking about? It's like, I can Google security awareness and there's 47 companies, 47 pages of search results that come up with companies that'll help you do this. Just choose one. And then they'd run into a story of like, yeah, we chose 10 of them and all the, none of them actually fit any of the, all of the criteria we wanted. I was like, huh, well, maybe this is the answer to the question we've been asking. And the reason we got into the MSP space is in that process, we ran across one MSP. Uh, at that at the time here locally, and we asked them about our the problems with security awareness, and they're like, "Yep, we agree." And then they're like, "Also, if you add multi tenancy, if you make it really automated, if you automate all the reporting, so I don't have to babysit another dashboard, if the billing makes sense and can be automated, if you can add all of these layers of control, so I can do this in hundreds of companies at a time instead of just one." I don't know a single company that's doing that really well. And I was like. 
okay, uh, yeah, when do you want it? <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? I was like, I'm going to go build it. Uh, and that was like three and a half years ago uh, that I started building it. And here we are. All right. So before COVID and you yep. were already seeing the, uh, the benefits of asking the customer what they want. So yeah. let, let me ask when you, you found the MSP, but before you did that, did you go back to those customers with any of the solutions or try to build anything at that time? Oh yeah. Um, when me and a few other people at the time built the first version of the product, it worked for exactly one tenant. And we went with that and that, you know, minimum viable product right. worked with one tenant. It's like, don't ask me to create, click this, create a client button. Cause it ain't working. Um, went to the client and showed them. We're like, we think training should be done this way. And we think, you know, the fishing should be done this way. Here's what we built so far. Uh, they agreed. They didn't end up working with us, uh, but they tried our <laughs> software, which uh, that's another lesson we can get into. But okay. They tried it out. They gave us some pointers, some feedback. But uh, uh, you mentioned the Fervent Four podcast earlier. The big thing that I remember, you know, talking about those guys with was uh, cl- uh, um, a client that doesn't pay is not a client. Stop listening to them. Uh, so we stopped. That is true. To the MSPs. Okay. Um, so... So you found the MSP. Now, was that because you were looking to them as a customer or how did um, that come about? Yeah. Initially we're like, we just need to get involved with, you know, who are the people that are running these kinds of programs? Uh, so if you go to a big enterprise, they'll have a cybersecurity team. Uh, but if you go to a small business, that's not the case. You know, they don't have cybersecurity talent on board in 99% of cases. So we just started honestly Googling like local cybersecurity companies. Uh, and that's how we ran across that MSP uh, is we're like, hey, like you do this, right? Yeah, we do this. And then that's how we met them. And that's how we got the uh, original use case. All right. Now, did you have at that time your list of this is what the customers hate? This is what the customers love? And, yep. and how, um, did, how did you make all that work with your product? So... Um, Interestingly enough, all of when we went to the MSP, all of the like pain points that we brought to them all focused on the end user and the client themselves. So basically, like that's what the enterprise would care about. And that's who we were talking to before the MSP was like, what are the enterprise focused problems? Um, and then we when we went to the MSP, that's what we pitched to them because we thought that was the only problem is like you need to train users more effectively here. It needs to be done in shorter segments more often. It needs to be organized effectively in these ways. Uh, and they're like, yeah this is great. Like you should do all of this in all of my clients. But it, uh, so confirmed all of those pain points that they're typically dealing with and then added a, another set of them on top of it. So it's like kind of like we got this, the bottom half of the sandwich, the MSP came on and just popped the top half of the sandwich on. And then we had uh, a very large list of pain points that we needed to start working on. So in terms of, and let's, and I'm just going to focus on fishing because that's what I yeah. saw the most on your site. Um, the way I understand phishing campaigns and the ones I've done are all based on you, you know, put together this campaign of, you know, fake emails, you know, tempting the user to click on something. And like you said earlier, you know, they, you know, either they, you know, click the right, you know, thing or delete it and they know nothing about it or they click the wrong thing and get this alert. Yeah. You've been fished sucks to be you go through this training or, or whatever. 
So, I mean, yeah. in, in a sense, what's, what is wrong with that? Or how did you look at it another way? So um, I'll, I'll, I'll jump into, there's two parts there that I want to jump into that's wrong. Okay. One is how is that campaign initially created? So like how, what the MSP has to do. And the second is what that user's experience was like. You you hit the nail on the head. I've actually seen the landing pages. Uh-oh, you've been fished. It didn't say sucks to be you. Uh, <laughs> That's my phrase. It, <laughs> it said something else. Uh, I'll credit that to you. Well, that'd be really funny if it did, though. I'd probably <laughs> laugh. Um, uh, so the first one, the, the, the MSP's perspective. We realized, you know, uh, the MSP's value is not in selecting the exact phishing emails that end up going out to a client. Uh, it's like if you're using a platform that's doing the phishing, it's like, why not just have them select all the fishes for you? So there just needs to be a little bit of an educational process where the MSPs like my client is in this industry. They're of this side. These are the tools they use. Uh, this is what kind of industry that they serve on their own if they're, you know, a, a business services company or what have you. So basically, we want to get what are the risks that this business might be exposed to? And then what is the way somebody might attempt to impersonate communication for them? And then our, like what we did at Finn is like, okay, well now we have that all those topics uh, for potential fishes. Why don't we just tag the phishing templates in our platform? And why don't we just select them based upon what we know individuals are vulnerable to? So we'll track users behavior automatically and say, okay, Susie in accounting is vulnerable to uh, FOMO like the appeal of FOMO. Uh, and if it's texted to her on a Thursday at 4 PM, it's like, that's really when, when she would fall for that because of life circumstances, emotion, whatever it ends up being some something human. And then, so we've kind of taken the MSP out of, uh, you know, you select the exact fishes, you build this campaign and then you have to rebuild it in every client over and over again. And instead we're like, why don't you focus on what's really important, which is that relationship with your client. So inevitably when this campaign starts working, uh, and it's automated and you're not babysitting this dashboard, like you need to step into your client and you need to have this relationship where you're telling them, it's like, okay, here's how you should interpret the results. Here's how we can adjust moving forward if needed, or here's what you can look forward to. You're, you're doing great work. Don't worry about it. Uh, any of the above. Uh, that's kind of where we want MSPs to sit in, in that, uh, not, not in selecting the exact fishes and babysitting a dashboard. Okay. But you mentioned knowing that Susie and accounting you know, is suspect to a yeah. text message four o'clock on a Friday. Most MSPs aren't going to know that. So what is the, you know, bridge to have an MSP yeah. or IT professional find out the behavior? Yeah. So here's how we do it. And maybe it's not the best way, but it's the way Finn does it. Um, you answer a quick questionnaire about your clients. It's about eight questions long, uh, right when you onboard them. Uh, and then from there, we'll select an initial campaign that goes out. And that campaign itself, as the data from the user's interaction flows into our platform, like we know who's clicking on things. We know who's reporting things. We know who's opening them. Uh, we will adjust a vulnerability profile that that individual user has, the average level of difficulty they fall for, uh, the time of day they're doing these things, even the browser that they're using. That's how somehow we figured out people use an Internet Explorer 11. It's like, oh, there are all of these ways that people access and communicate with email and text message and other you know, Microsoft Teams that is inherently insecure. So maybe we should mimic phishing there in the way that they already expect, because that's exactly what somebody who's malicious is going to attempt to do. So we do all of that for the MSP. So it sounds like there's this component where once we do the questionnaire, engage Finn security, get the stuff started, 
Now, you're gathering all that data, and are you communicating that back to the MSP or to the client or both? Uh, both. Now, obviously, we don't put the uh, nitty-gritty details of like, hey, send Susie the text at 4 p.m. and like you'll get all the Visa gift cards you want. Uh, but we do have a profile for these clients and that the MSP could go see individuals' performance of what is specifically phishing people or that client in general. Uh, and then, you know, we can interpret it as to why uh, or the MSP can choose to do so with that client as well. Um, but we don't expose like the exact vulnerability profile of the individuals to them. Okay. Now, the one question that pops to mind is how much of this is you know, true user interaction where somebody physical physically yeah. is at your office looking at stuff. How much of it is AI driven? Um, when you say like physical, you mean like, do we go into the office? No, no, no. Like, do you look at the reports that come in? So that data that you said is being oh. gathered, is there somebody at your office that is, I'm not going to say compiling and looking at every little thing, but are there reports yeah. that you guys look at that would be different than the ones say we would look at? Uh, not necessarily. Okay. Uh, there is like, we, we will randomize um, the information or anonymize it rather to look at, okay, what's happening across our entire client base as a whole, just so that we as industry leaders have a really good idea of what's going on or emerging threats or emerging trends. Um, but in terms of ex like, do we have anyone analyzing day in and day out the individual client's data? No. Our platform does that automatically. So every time a user interacts with anything on our platform, a fish, uh, a training, uh, a reminder, anything that uh, pulls into those users' records. And then when we go to send a fish to that user, all of the records, which now include this new information, are interpreted to select the fish out of the allowable categories in the temp in the campaigns that the MSPs have created so that it just uh, it's, it's up to date with what they actually might be vulnerable to most recently that makes sense. All right. Use the word AI. I don't like using that term, but I guess you could say so. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to stay hip, you know, with the, <laughs> the kids. You know, uh, yeah, the uh, MLAI, uh, <laughs> artificial learning. I don't know. I don't know them either. Yeah. So, so let's do this. Let's actually now step back because even uh -huh. though I did introduce you and your company in the beginning, um, we did not yeah. dive into sure. Fin Security, which is your company. We know that you started about three and a half years ago, how you got started, but why don't you tell us more about your company? So we are Fin Security. We are an MSP only. So we don't have enterprise sales. We don't go direct, nothing like that. Uh, MSP only security awareness training and phishing simulation platform. We also do other stuff like policy management. Um, uh, but the reason that we started is we believe there's different ways to educate users. So I haven't even gotten into the education of the users part yet. Um, but our goal is to remove what is typically a dashboard uh, that MSPs have to babysit in order to run effective security awareness pr programs so that we as the experts could do that for them. Uh, so our goal at the end of the day is if your program is not generating a change in behavior, because that's what creates the security in the workforce is you have these insecure behaviors that somehow need to change. Um, there's a, a gap between the existing behavior and the new behavior, that, that gap is filled by habits. Okay, so we need to create new habits and end users. Well, that's a really hard thing to do, uh, even if I create a habit. Like I went to the gym for like twice in a row. It's like by the third day, I'm like, you know what? I've been really good. 
screw it. I'm not going. And so it's like these habits are really hard to form. So how can we do that? So our goal is to create these programs that educate in an effective way to create habits and end users that change behavior. That was a mouthful, but it, it was, I think I got there. <laughs> so for people that are watching the video, I have put the website up on the screen, fincec.io. For those yep. of you listening by audio, don't worry about it. I will have a link in the show note, but that should be pretty easy to remember. Fin is spelled P-H as in fishing, uh, yeah. P-H-I-N-S-E-C dot I-O. So that is the website. And of course, when people go to the website, they can see you know, all oh, yeah. the nice stuff, channel only, security awareness, blah, blah, blah. But something caught my attention down towards the bottom because I, I scroll and I read this thing <laughs> called loginless LMS. Yeah. So describe, what is it? Yeah. What, <laughs> what does that mean? So I'll give you the dirty secret of the industry right now, Marv. You heard it first on Uncle Marv's uh, IT business podcast. Uh, many of the security awareness providers that you use, uh, maybe not many, some. Uh, a lot that I've run across. They reuse somebody else's learning management system. So they're reselling somebody else's LMS or they're reselling somebody else's phishing and training platform because um, you need both. You need this phishing platform and you need a learning management system and you need them both to talk to each other. So we built our own. Uh, we're like, we're not going to do that. We're going to build both of our own, uh, probably just out of hubris at that point. We were, uh, there's six of us now, five of us are software developers. Uh we just, you know, hubris, we thought we could build something better than existed. So we tried. Um, and one of the biggest pain points that MSPs told us about is, hey, I got 100 clients on this platform and every single employee and every single client has an account on the learning management system that we use to run these programs, which means I get, su I get support requests every single day. Hey, I forgot my password. Hey, I can't log in. Hey, you never sent me the login information. So blah, blah, blah. You know, I see you're smiling because you're probably, if not, you, if you didn't go through that this week, you went through it last week or the week before that or something. Um, oh, we go through it a lot. So we said, you know, we're not transferring sensitive information. We're not sending these people like payment information or asking for their social security number or any identifiable information in any way, shape or form. So why don't we just run this through tokenized links that we can guarantee get delivered through, to their inbox? Uh, and that's what we did. So now all a user has to do to complete their training with us is click a link that is emailed to them uh, automatically when they're enrolled in courses and if they don't complete their training and it shows up right at their portal. And if they only have one course, it immediately plays. We call it the shortest possible path to learning. Let's remove all roadblocks to success. You're never going to get a support request that says, I forgot my password. I can't log in X, Y, Z. You just show up, click a button in your inbox, and then you're done. Your training starts and you're right there. Okay. So you mentioned that if they only have one course, so if a user doesn't click for a while, those courses build up and yeah. they come to a portal that shows all their stuff that they've neglected to do? Yep. And it'll have, hey, you got six open courses, four open policy, whatever that ends up being. And then you can also look at all your previous stuff as well. All right. So that's from user perspective. What about the MSP perspective? What is, I just asked you, like a typical onboarding scenario for, for somebody like me? Uh, so I onboard an MSP. Uh, I just show you around your partner portal. It's multi-tenant from the start. Uh, and then I walk you through uh, one use case that you have. Let's create a new, new client. Let's get everything set up. 
And after the first time, because the first time there's a lot of explaining, uh, an MSP could set up a client on their own in less than 10 minutes. We've literally gotten it down to you name the client immediately when you do that, you're pulled into that tenant. You have a checklist of let's get users on board. Let's get training and phishing started. Let's get reporting started. Let's white label all communications. So there's no miss. There's no miscommunication about what's going on and what programs being launched. And let's whitelist the traffic so we can guarantee that everything gets delivered properly. Uh, and then all the MSP has to do is answer those, go through that questionnaire that I mentioned, hook up their Azure sync, uh, and they're pretty much done. And everything else, all of our automations take over from there. The phishing will start at a certain date. The training will start at a certain date and they're done. Okay. Sounds simple enough. It is. And actually, if you scroll down a little further on that website, yeah, there is a full demo. Uh, it's 24 minutes long uh, where I go through the entire platform. Uh, and that is not like a show platform that some vendors have out here where it's the smoke and mirrors that they want you to see. That is the exact experience that every MSP would go through and every client would go through if they were inside of their own tenant. So folks, you don't need to request a full demo. Just go to the homepage there and yes, yeah, scroll all the way down. Now you can schedule a demo. Yep. But literally right next to it is the video. It says full demo right on the picture and it's hard com- to miss. complete demo right there. So that is good. Um, so become a partner. And yeah. And actually the reason we did that is from the advice of that friend you mentioned earlier. I think it was Ray. So we have a few friends um, who is the second Alex? Alex. Yes. Okay. Okay. Alex is the one who introduced us. I hope so, Alex is listening. I hope so too. Cause if anything happens, I'm holding him responsible <laughs> for your actions. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Ray. So the reason we did that full demo, cause I know it's a little rare to like let everyone see how the, the cookies are made or whatever the saying is. Uh, but Ray, Stetson Blake says, I have no friends. Sorry, Stetson. <laughs> you have Marvin. Marvin could be one. Uncle Marv is one of your friends. Um, Ray Orsini and Wesley Spencer, another advisor of ours. Uh, they're like, hey, uh, you should absolutely film this. You should build everything in public. You should be uh, very, you should solicit feedback from everywhere at all times. That is the best way to build a really good product for MSPs. And so I was like, you know what? I don't know if they're right. They got a few more gray hairs than I do. Ray a little more. Uh, and uh, so I'll listen. And uh, we started doing that. And we the response we've gotten so far has been amazing. And the feedback we've gotten has been invaluable as of now. So, well, I, really- th- I think that one thing you'll find in our community, and I can't speak for all MSPs, but right. for the majority that I deal with, you know, being honest, being open uh, yeah. is a big deal. Yeah, And we do have a lot of people in the industry, I won't get too specific, but, you know, we have some people in our industry that are, you know, slimy used car salesmen and, you know, sleight of hand, which, you know, pisses me off. And, you know, and now I don't ask my guests to say it out loud, but I will, because I'm, I'm, I'm old enough to say I'm done, you know, know, what are you going to do to me? I've been in business, you know, 27 years, you know, (laughs) <laughs> that seems like a call out. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I've done that already. That, that'll be uh actually I have an update to a call out uh, a little bit later and a show down the road. So 
I don't want to get into a too too much stuff about you mm-hmm. know everything and talk prices and stuff, but you know, of course, the people are going to ask you know you know, is there a requirement for us to prove we're an MSP? Is there a minimum in terms of clients, all that sort of stuff? What, what would be like the landmark stuff that people should know? So uh, you don't necessarily have to prove you're an MSP. Uh, you do have to book, if, if you want to like use the platform, like you're like, I've watched the demo. I want to meet somebody. I want to get onboarded. There's a human involved in that from our side. Uh, and either I'm going to do it or somebody else in our team who, who has been working with MSPs long enough to know, it's like, are you actually an MSP? Um, it's going to talk with you and we're going to get, cause we want to get the use case. It's like, when do you need this done? You know, what, what's the deployment looking like? Uh, and why are you doing this more importantly? Cause that's going to impact how things end up rolling out. Uh, so we'll know if you're an MSP very quickly or not. Uh, there's no minimum for clients or anything like that. There is a minimum seat count. It's 125 seats, but that's that's like end employees. It's not employees of the MSP, and that's not per tenant. So I've seen some weird pricing where it's like, if I give you a tenant, you need to have 50 licenses in there. No, that doesn't work for small businesses, which need the most securing. So we just say, you know what, MSP, in aggregate, uh, you'll need 125 licenses. But even then, we're, we're going to bill you for 125 if you don't get there. So if you still want to come on board, if you still want to use us, but you're not quite at that mark, you can do so. And it's all you can eat. So all fishing, all training, all policies, use all of our resources. There's no additional fee. There's no onboarding, nothing like that. Oh, no onboarding fee. No. All right. That's huge. And, and today, uh, maybe it's just my youth and my ignorance, but I do all of the onboarding still. It's like, I, I find a lot of joy, uh, in meeting these MSPs. Cause I know that right when they get into our ecosystem, it's like, um, I want to meet them. I want to know who they are. I want to, I want them to be a part of our community. I'll ask them to join our private Slack. Cause I know that once they're in there, it's like, uh, I'll probably lose touch with them because the other members of my team have picked stuff up. The other members are doing support and the partner outreach and working with them and their clients. So I'll do the onboarding. I'll say, Hey, great to meet you. Let's get started. Yeah. Okay. That'll change. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're I, young. <laughs> I know that will change. (laughs) All right. So Connor, I uh, think we should probably go ahead and end up at least at this point here. We still have a little bit of show to go through, but I have questions and I'm sure you will answer them and we will be here all night. Now I know you're doing the circuit, so you're going to be on some other shows. um, So people will get the chance to see you out there a lot more. Uh, But of course, heading over to FinSec.io. Uh, is a very good start and you can see the video sign up and go through all that but i will ask one last question in terms of when you talked about the fact that you're doing your own licensing for stuff the campaigns or the tenants that we set up are we able to customize stuff for each tenant or does it kind of become universal across the board that's that was the one question i had you can customize so Uh, you'll be happy to hear this. We set up a council of MSPs that we've been working with for over a year. Some of them are not even our clients. They're just people that when I met them, I was like, these people really care. Um, they care about the industry. They care about helping others, you know, raising the tide lifts all boats. So I would ask them personally at the beginning, cause we, you know, we were nothing but two dudes, me and my co-founder and a dream. Like, hey, please just give us an hour of your time every couple of weeks. Like we promise like it'll, it'll pay off. And one of their biggest advices was 
set everything at the MSP level, let it waterfall down. But then if I want to change it, I do that at the individual tenant levels. So that's exactly what you could do. Beautiful. You can set all of it at the top level, but then you can change it if you don't like how it waterfall down. Beautiful. That sounds perfect. All right. So Finn Security. Yeah. Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and everything. <laughs> we're definitely bright-eyed and young for sure. I think uh, we're up to 16 members, and the oldest one is 29, 28 maybe? I'm the youngest. No, we just hired Jamie. Jamie's the youngest. He's 25. Okay. I have nieces and nephews older than you. Let's just say that. <laughs> you you probably have some t-shirts older than me too somewhere in your house. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, do this real quick. Let's do a quick switch over. I know that I mentioned our presenting sponsor at the beginning, beginning of the show, Net Ally. Uh, let me go ahead and do another formal recognition of Net Ally, your ally of 25 years, helping you deploy, manage, and maintain today's complex network troubleshooting. Net Ally continues to set the standard for portable network analysis tools that include the Link Runner, the Link Sprinter, AirCheck, Etherscope, and Air Magnet. So anything you guys want to know, if you need help purchasing, not only just a a Net Ally product, but if you need a warranty subscription, uh, what they call Ally Care, I can help you with that. So give me a call and let me know, and I will help you with all things Net Ally. And our live show sponsor, Computers Done Right, a managed service provider in the Naples Fort Myers area. Providing managed services, 24-hour monitoring. Not only do they do managed services, but they also help with websites and social media management. So for all of your IT needs, head over to computersdoneright.com and we thank them for being our live show sponsor. And if you have been a part of this community for any length of time, you have heard me talk about TechCon Unplugged, that is done by our friends over at MSP Unplugged, Paco and Rick. I will be attending and emceeing this year's 2022 annual TechCon Unplugged this September 16th through the 18th in Chicago. There are still tickets available, folks. Head over to TechConUnplugged.com, scroll down, and if you do this, I can save you 75 bucks off the ticket price. Put in the discount code ITBP75OFF. Basically short for the IT Business Podcast, ITBT75OFF. Save yourself $75 off that ticket price. That is probably, you know, I'm going to go on a little extended thing here. So this Memorial Day weekend, Connor, I know you got to golf. I was actually up in Orlando. And I was attending another conference. It was not a tech conference. It was for podcasting. Mm. And one of the things that I noticed right away when I got there is that it was somebody up on the stage speaking as fast as they possibly could because they only had 30 minutes to get all their points. And then, of course, you know, try to sell us something at the end. And in between sessions, we had about, 10 minutes or so to kind of either talk to the speaker or catch up with somebody. And it was just a fast paced conference and it was really disconnected. 
my first time in attendance. And it just felt, I mean, it was a good conference, but it, I kind of felt like, hmm, something wasn't right. Now, I have to gauge that against the fact that TechCon Unplugged is one of those conferences where vendors and attendees stand side by side, are very interactive in the sessions. In most cases, we are actually presenting with the vendors, and the vendors are with us the entire time. They're not just sitting off in a vendor hall waiting for us to come up to their booth. They're in the sessions with us. They're sitting at the tables with us. There's a lot of time to rub shoulders, have conversations. The hallway conversations are tremendous. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I will tell you, if you had to rate conferences, TechCon and Plug should be at the top of that list just because of the interaction that happens. So, that was interesting. I didn't mean to go on that long about that. <laughs> Sounds, uh, <laughs> now I want to go see what that's about. Yep, maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe you might be want to be a sponsor. I'll be, yeah, I'll be in Chicago for channel con in August. So maybe I'll like it enough to revisit in September. There you go. There you go. All right. So Connor, I had mentioned to you in the, in the uh, green room, Mm -hmm. this is about the time of the show where we normally do a news story and we have the Florida man challenge Mm. where guests that have been on the show have the opportunity to provide me with a local story in their city or state of somebody that has done oh. something wild and crazy to challenge a Florida man story that I, that I pick from the stuff there. So I know that you said that you, you've hung out with Ray. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually believe it or not have a really funny story. Okay. Uh, happened here in Delaware recently and they are my future father-in-law's, co-worker by few it was somebody who i know like personally so here's what happened uh this lady uh gets cut off at a red light here locally um and then gets really mad swerves around into the shoulder to essentially flip off the guy that uh cut her off okay. at the red light flips her off wait it flips him off waits for the light to turn green floors it while she's still flipping him off and staring at him and runs straight into a tree while she's doing this and crushes her foot in the process. <laughs> the cops show up. She can't walk and she's hammered. So it's like 11 a.m. on a Saturday. She gets so pissed that she does this, flips the guy off and then basically runs her car straight into a tree, breaks her foot and then gets arrested for drunk driving. There you go. It was and it was somebody who is less than one is less than two degrees of separation away from me. Wow. Um, okay. That that's actually pretty good. Cause I normally don't have any sort of personal connection other than it may happen in my city or down the road. So that may have to be in contention for uh, winning over Florida man. So my story is one that I plucked from yesterday And a man searching a Florida lake for Frisbees may have died as a result of a possible alligator attack, according to a news release from Largo Police Department. The victim, who authorities have identified as 47-year-old Sean McGinnis, was discovered along the shoreline of Taylor Lake in Largo, Florida, by a bystander walking their dog early Tuesday morning. 
Investigators believe the victim was looking for Frisbees sometime during the night when an alligator attacked him. While the medical examiner will determine the exact cause of death, it was apparent that McGinnis suffered injuries related to alligators in the lake. So, normally, you know, we have situations where people will go and look for golf balls in lakes and encounter a gator, but I don't know why in the middle of the night you would go looking for Frisbees. Frisbee golf is getting pretty popular. It is, huh? So, the story goes on. I just want to do one more point where it says, McGinnis was known to sell discs back to people within the park. Two alligators were captured on Tuesday night. However, necropathies revealed no evidence of their involvement with the deceased. So, so they actually went and found two gators and opened them up. Well, I don't know if they opened them up, but. <laughs> Got their stomach contents. Yeah. It didn't have any of that guy in it. Yeah. So there you go, folks, your Florida man story and your personal six degrees of separation from Connor Swamp. Welcome to Delaware. So. Wow. Drunk and flipping off cops. Gotta love that. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Connor, I will have the links for contact for you. So if people want to contact you, uh, you gave me your email, your direct email. So folks, you can email Connor, Connor at finsecurity.com. And you also gave me a Twitter link. You want me to say that over the air? Sure. Yeah. Connor Swalm 14. Yeah. Uh, for the Twitter there. And you did have a Twitter handle um, at Finn security on Twitter that you now confirm is your company's. <laughs> yes. Finn I have confirmed that is in fact our account. So I logged in for sure. Right. Uh, and we're also on LinkedIn. If you just do LinkedIn slash company slash Finn dash security, that'll come up with us as well. We have a cute little man array as our, uh, as our mascot. So you can't miss it. All right. So I'll have all those in the show notes and Connor, we, you and I will, we'll have to catch up at some point. We'll have to, um, I guess you, me, Ray and Alex will have to hang out sometime. And I would love that. I'll be hanging out with Ray at it nation next week. Next week. If you're going to make the trip down to Orlando, well, uh, I will be there. It will be up for me, but I think I, so I was just in Orlando last weekend. I have to go yeah. to Orlando this weekend. Um, I'm not sure. I've got it's it's a busy thing. A lot it's, of Orlando. Yeah. It seems like every conference this year just decided we're going to go to Florida because yeah, Florida and Texas because we don't care about COVID down here. So you don't got COVID, but you do got people dying it's, from alligators that's looking for. That's this. right. <laughs> Take your pick, COVID or gators. All right. So ladies and gentlemen, Connor Swalm from Finn Security. Um, again, check the show notes for all the links and stuff. Uh, check them out and see if they can help you with your security awareness training and uh, get it fixed. Get your customers excited about yeah. those phishing simulations. Connor, thank you very much for hanging out. Thanks so much for having me, Marv. All right, Great folks, that is going to do it for this episode of the IT Business Podcast. We will be back next week with another episode. If you're new to the show and you want to go back and say, hey, where can I go find old episodes and see what's out there? Head over to itbusinesspodcast.com. 
Just click on the episode tag and you will see shows, both audio and video. If you want to follow the show, click on the follow button at the top right and choose the platform with which you wish to follow us. And if you choose YouTube or the Facebook and even now on LinkedIn, you can always be alerted as to when we have these live shows and you can watch and hang out and make comments in the chat like Stetson Blake, who has no friends. So, <laughs> Poor Stetson. Poor he Stetson. He didn't know he was going to get made fun of. No. So thank you guys for hanging out and watching. That's going to do it. And we'll see you again real soon. But until then, holla.